I have an interest in famous words and the way that they um, find their way into our collective conscience, or consciousness rather. In 1963, Martin Luther King stood before a great crowd in Washington, D.C., and gave one of the most famous speeches in American history. As he stood there on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, he spoke before the crowd that was there for the March on Washington. And the first part of his speech was, was very scripted. If you watch the videos that, that are available of his speech, you see him looking at his notes. But we're told by historians that at some point in the course of his speech, the gospel singer Mahalia Jackson began to say, tell them about the dream, Martin. Tell them about the dream. And at that point, Martin Luther King Jr. went off script. Uh, he began to riff. And uh, this was not in his notes. He began to share about the dream, as he had on many other occasions. And one of the most famous lines from his speech is, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a country where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have always found it fascinating that that speech is known as the I have a dream speech. Those words are not in his text, in the notes. It was impromptu. In 1986, in January of that year, our nation watched in horror as the space shuttle Challenger broke apart, exploded moments after liftoff, killing all seven on board, including the first teacher who was being launched into space, the civilian Krista McCullough. That night, President Reagan was prepared to give the State of the Union address, but that was scrapped. And instead, he addressed the American people from the Oval Office in a short address, talking about the Challenger explosion. And towards the end of that address, he shared these words, speaking of the astronauts. They slipped the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. And those words have gone down into history connected with that great tragedy. But those words were not original to President Reagan or his speechwriter. They were lifted from a poem that was written by a man who died during World War II. A poem called High Flight. And his speechwriter that very day just happened to remember this poem that she had memorized in grade school. And she used those words in President Reagan's speech. And they have made an imprint on our collective history. Famous words. I'm so interested in these famous words. And how they are a, just a part of our, our life together in this country. This morning I want to talk about some famous words. Not from the mind of man. But from the very mind of God. Some words that come from the Holy Scriptures. From the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, when Paul says, I can do all things through him, meaning Christ, 
who strengthens me. This is our text today, and you're welcome to turn there. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Famous words. And a favorite verse for many people. Uh, I used these words in the wedding that I preached yesterday. Because the couple requested that I use Philippians 4.13 because it's a favorite verse of theirs. Steph Curry, who is the star point guard for the Golden State Warriors, makes, uh, he is, has openly shared about his faith. And he's also made it clear that this is his favorite verse. Philippians chapter 4.13, in fact, on some of his Curry 1 basketball shoes, I don't own a pair, but I've been told that on one of the lace loops is written Philippians 4.13. In 2009, Tim Tebow appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine. And at that time, he was the quarterback for the University of Florida football team. And on the cover, he was... Squatting down, determination in his eyes, the ball in his hands, with his now iconic eye black, and and under his eyes was written Philippians 4.13. A favorite verse for many. Maybe a favorite verse of yours. Some of you have come this morning and you would say, that's my favorite verse. And yet these famous words, I think, are often misunderstood. Here's one example From Joel Osteen, in a devotional thought that he wrote on Philippians 4.13, Joel Osteen, the pastor of this megachurch in Houston, said this, wrote this, most people tend to magnify their limitations. They focus on their shortcomings, but scripture makes it plain. All things are possible to those who believe. That's right. It's possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It's possible to overcome that obstacle. It's possible to climb to new heights. It's possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know how it will all take place. You may not have a plan. But all you have to know is that if God said you can, then you can. So it seems to Joel Osteen that the all things that we can accomplish through Christ includes achieving your dreams and climbing to new heights and embracing your destiny And if we adopt this view, then we might very well say or ask, do you want to excel as an athlete or a performer? Do you want to find your soulmate? Do you want to make more money? Do you want to, generally speaking, experience success and accomplishments? You can. Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But is that what the Apostle Paul has in mind in our text? Is that that what he's saying? I think we need to examine this famous verse, these favorite words of many. I think we need to examine this passage in its context so that we can fully grasp the meaning. To do that, we're going to back up just a few verses to verse 10 where our text began earlier that was read for us. Let's start reading here. Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me, writing to the church at Philippi, to his brothers and sisters in this city. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. 
Now, just to be clear, the Philippians always had concern, as Paul says here, for him, for his ministry, for his work in declaring the gospel. In fact, back in chapter 1, verse 5, as Paul begins the letter, he says that this church, this body of believers, had been his partners in the gospel from day one. From the first day until now, Paul says, you have been with me, you've had my back, we've been working together. But he says in our text, in chapter 4, verse 10, they had only recently had an opportunity to show their participation in the gospel uh, in a tangible way with a generous gift, financial gift to Paul. We read about it in chapter 4, verse 18. He says, I've received full payment and more from you. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So the Philippians had always been committed to supporting Paul in the advancement of the kingdom of God, but only recently had they been given an opportunity to express their support in a tangible way by giving him financial resources in order to carry the gospel forth. And so Paul rejoices in the Lord because of their generosity. But then he says something that you, you really never hear from recipients of financial gifts. Watch this. The first part of verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. Paul says, I appreciate it. I rejoice in the Lord because of it. But I didn't need it. I don't think you will ever hear those words. From a charitable organization that you give to. Or from a political campaign. Or from a Christian university. You'll never hear them say. Thanks a lot, but we really didn't need it. That's what Paul says here. I'm not speaking of being in need. Yes, what you have done for me will help advance the cause of Christ. But if I didn't have it, I'd be okay. I appreciate it, but I'd be fine without it. Why? Well, he says why in the next part. Verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul says, I appreciate it, but I'd be fine without it because I know how to be at peace in any situation. In any situation, I find myself, I can be content if I have a lot or a little. If I'm free, or in prison. And by the way, he was in prison when he wrote these words. Which makes what he says about being content in any situation even more remarkable, even more believable. That Paul is able to write them as he's imprisoned. He says, I can be content whether my stomach is full or empty. I have learned the secret of being content. Of being at peace. And I want to know, maybe you want to know. The question this begs is, Paul, what's the secret? I got to know the secret of being content in whatever situation that I find myself in in life. And Paul answers that question in verse 13 when he says, I can do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me. So what's the secret, Paul, for being content? The secret is an abiding faith in Christ. 
an abiding faith in Christ. Think about John chapter 15, verse 5, when Jesus says, Abide in me. Stay connected to me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So keep your faith in me. Stay tethered to me. That is Paul's secret of being content and satisfied and faithful in whatever situation he finds himself in. It's this rock-solid abiding faith in Christ. You know, I wonder, I wonder if the way this verse is rendered in many of our translations is the reason that we get tripped up a bit, confused about what it means. You know, in the ESV it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But you may be interested to know that the Greek verb to do is not in this verse. Instead, it's the verb iskuo, which means to be able to be strong enough. And so the idea here is, Paul is saying, I am able to keep the faith. I am strong enough to stay faithful regardless of circumstances because he strengthens me. I can do all the things. I can be in any station in life and be content and stay faithful because he is providing the strength that I need to do it. So Paul says, I can remain faithful when in plenty. And, you know, we sort of gloss over that and we think, well, you know, that that's easy. If, if you're, um, you know, if you're well to do, if you have plenty of resources, that's easy to stay faithful, but not so fast. That's not the case. We know from Jesus that that can be a challenge. To be blessed financially can be a barrier to staying faithful. Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 talks about how exceedingly difficult it is. For a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because we are tempted to put our trust and our faith in our riches. Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. And the apostles say, well, Jesus, if that's the case, who then can be saved? And then Jesus famously clears it up by saying, well, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But that doesn't change the fact that Jesus highlights here that it's difficult for somebody who is in plenty to stay faithful. So this is a challenge. But Paul says, hey, if I'm the wealthiest man on the face of the earth, I can stay faithful to my God because Christ is strengthening me as I have this abiding faith in him. But more significantly, I think the, 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 the main thrust of this passage is Paul is saying, I can also remain faithful when in want. When I don't have any resources. When my wallet's empty. I can remain faithful when I'm hungry. When there's no food in the pantry. When I don't know where my next meal is coming from. I can remain faithful when I've been brought low. When I've been persecuted for my faith. When I've been beaten. When I've been imprisoned. I can remain content in all of those situations. So our verse does not mean, contrary to what some people say, I can achieve my dreams. I can accomplish my goals because of Christ. No. In fact, what it says is better. It's actually better than that. Instead, what Paul is saying is, my faith in Christ 
will sustain me. It will strengthen me. It will satisfy me in any situation that life brings my way. I can make it through anything. I can do all things. I can live in any, in any situation and, and keep the faith because Christ is, is ever strengthening me. If Paul was alive today, he might say, I can keep the faith during a pandemic and in times of health. I can keep the faith during periods of civil unrest and in times of peace. I can keep the faith under a Republican administration and a Democratic one. By the way, God's mission will not be thwarted regardless of who's sitting in the White House. Paul would say, I can keep the faith regardless. I can keep the faith while I'm joyful or while I'm down and out, depressed, in the dumps. Which is what a lot of people are struggling with today. I can keep the faith when I'm well and when I'm sick. When I've been sick for two weeks, three weeks, a month. When I can't seem to get better. When I'm in the hospital. I can do that through Christ too who strengthens me. I can keep the faith when I succeed. And when I fall flat on my face. When I fail. Paul says I can do all things. Through Christ. Who strengthens me. Paul gets, he understands that he can constantly depend on Christ regardless of his station in life. He focuses on Christ's achievements, not on his. You know, Tim Tebow actually gets this too. He does. Because I read, I read in an interview with him how he explains his love for Philippians 4.13. mentioned this earlier. This is what he says. This is great commentary on this verse. So many people believe the verse means I can do a lot of things. But what I believe it means in the context is I can handle all the things. Whatever position God has put me in. Maybe it's poverty. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe my kid's sick. God's going to give me the strength to handle that. It's more talking about handling adversity or handling praise than accomplishing much. I agree. And you know who else got it? My late grandmother got it. My Nana. As she was dying of cancer, the pain would sometimes become so great that the medicine the doctors prescribed for her couldn't cut through it to bring relief. And so in her final days, she began reciting a verse that reminded her that she could make it through anything. She could endure anything with God by her side. She began to say to herself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, at the end of the day, we don't need, we don't need a God who helps us achieve our will. Instead, we need a God who sustains us while we do His will. And that is precisely what we have in our God, in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what these famous words 
these favorite words for many from Philippians 4.13, teach us. And as we get ready to celebrate Thanksgiving, these words provide a promise for which we should be exceedingly grateful. They called Lou Gehrig the Iron Horse. As a first baseman for the New York Yankees, Gehrig played in 2,130 straight games. But on May the 2nd, 1939, Gehrig benched himself because his skills as a ball player had quickly deteriorated. And just two weeks after his benching, Gehrig was diagnosed with the fatal disease ALS, which is now commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. He was given only three years or so to live. Well, upon hearing the news, the Yankees scheduled Lou Gehrig Appreciation Day for July 4th. And on that occasion, every seat in Yankee Stadium was filled. And several officials and players got up to speak and they shared about their affection for Gehrig and what he meant to them. Finally, it came time for Lou Gehrig himself to make some remarks. So he made his way out to the baseball diamond and he, he was stooped. In obvious discomfort. It was a moment that made even some of the journalists and photographers covering this event cry. The place was quiet when Gehrig began speaking. And this is what he said. His voice echoing across Yankee Stadium. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I might have been given a bad break. But I've got an awful lot to live for. Some more famous words. What I hear Paul saying in our text today is. I consider myself the most blessed man. On the face of the earth because of Christ. And because of my faith in him. I know I can make it through whatever life. Throws at me. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things. I can make it through anything. Through Christ, who strengthens me. This morning, do you want Christ in your corner? Do you need the strength? That only he can provide in your life. Then we invite you to come and name him as your savior. Be immersed with him in water for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll never look back. You'll face challenges ahead, but you'll always be grateful. For that blood of God's son that will continually cleanse you of your sins as you confess those to God. What a blessing. A great blessing. For which to be thankful. We would love to help you make that life changing decision today to become a Christian. Or if you're struggling in any way, we invite you to come and ask for prayers at this time while we stand and sing.